morning. Welcome to the first Sunday of 2024. Good to see everybody this morning, although a lot of you have seen already. We had our first uh, Sunday school class. Is that Sunday school? Uh, book study on mere Christianity this morning. So uh, you can still join in on that. That happens at 9 o'clock here at, in the sanctuary. So it's going to be good. So come join us if you haven't and you would like to do that. You can get the book uh, on Amazon or most libraries. Uh, Randy sent out a PDF, and there's lots of ways you can get it uh, for free or affordable. And uh, so come and join us as we're studying that book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, being the first Sunday uh, of the month, we are also uh, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today, and all who believe in Jesus are invited to share in the special event. So that will be happening today. And uh, also, first Sunday of the month, we celebrate January birthdays. And we have lemon cake back there. Thanks, Sherry, for the lemon cake for our January birthdays. And I think Jenny brought some cookies, too. So thanks, Jenny, for the cookies. So January birthdays are Cody Walters, Jane Brick, Judy Briggs, and Dwight Berge. So happy birthday to all the January. All right. And uh, if you can, come back after lunch and help change the decorations. It's time to take down the Christmas stuff and uh, put up new decorations. Sherry has a plan, but she needs some helpers. So come back after lunch if you're able and help with that. Steve? I was going to say, we're trying to take lights down, Steve. Okay. Extra hands putting up some new lights, new lighting, make it brighter in here. All right. Charlene has an announcement about the library. Okay. So uh, we're going to be changing the library a little bit and kind of condensing it. And uh, one of the things will be to not have the fiction section anymore and just focus on Bible studies and uh, reference books. And so if there are fiction books in the library that you would like to have, um, feel free to go in there and take them for yourself or for family members um, or classroom or people that you know would enjoy to have those fiction books. A lot of good Christian fiction books in there. So did I get that right? All right. I'm read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where is the wise man? Where is the expert in the Mosaic law? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made the wisdom of the world foolish? For since in the wisdom of God, the world by its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased to save those who believe by the foolishness of preaching. For Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks ask for wisdom. But we preach about a crucified Christ, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you that you have called us and that you have uh, brought us into your family. And though we are have no uh, wisdom or strength of our own, that your wisdom and strength that looked like foolishness and weakness to the world was able to accomplish all that you desired. And I just pray for this new year that we would lean into you and not rely on any of our own supposed power, our own wisdom, our own strength, but, Lord, only on yours. Lord, so that the only boasting we'd have would be to boast in you. Lord, I thank you for this church. I pray that you would help us to grow deeper in you, to uh, be a church that is doing the things you want us to do. There's a lot that churches uh, tend to look to do and want to do, and the world says a church should do, and that other churches say churches should do, and Lord, we want to be your body and do things according to your wisdom and your power. Lord, I just pray for Grace Bible Church that that's who we would be. And I pray you would give us your wisdom in figuring out what that is. Father, thanks for bringing these people together and giving us all the gifts that we need in order to serve you. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in this service this morning in your name and in your son's name we pray. Amen.
of the year, a whole new beginning of everything, including this, this uh, first communion of the year right here. So this special meal has been going on for a couple thousand years. I want to take you back to John chapter 6. Let me read what Jesus had to say. As a group of people wanted him to give them the ability to, I don't know, have free lunches, 
like feed 5,000 people with, you know, one happy meal. And he's responding to them. And after they said, well, you know, we want to perform God's works too. So, you know, what should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And their response to that is, show us a miracle. Do, do some kind of sign. And uh, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. And Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they are excited about the miraculous. They're excited about the possibilities that God could give them something for free. Because that's, you know, that's, that's the human drive is, you know, what can I get for free? What are you going to do for me? Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. This is the will of God. I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. Not even one. So, we have this great little system. This cup. And on one end is unleavened bread. The other is the... Uh, fruit of the vine so if you would open the bread side remember Jesus I tell you the truth I am the bread the true bread of God the one who came down from heaven so we have that bread take and eat thank you Lord for giving us life for being the true bread of life. Not for just this day, but for all days, forever and ever. Thank you for coming down from heaven and making things possible for us and opening the way to real life, abundant life. Amen. The other end of that cup, fruit of the vine, that juice there represents the blood of Christ shed on the cross for you paying for the penalty of sin the sins the rejection the stubbornness the things that we kind of run into and he says you know what I'll die for that because I want you in my family so as a family member take and drink Lord, we are indeed blessed. Blessed to know you. Blessed to share in this moment, joining with a line going back 2,000 years and to those waiting in heaven, cheering us on. Lord, thank you for this moment. It's the first Sunday of the year. In Jesus' name, amen.
We are starting a new series along with, you know, the new year, the new month, the, you know, all those things. Manifestations of the Messiah. So we want to know something about him. We want to know more about what Jesus is up to, what he's developing, how he is, uh, uh, the things that he has for us. So let's let's look at a few of these. The um, the reality is, God is not limited to being. Uh, distant there there is the idea that god created god showed up he did a few things jesus came he's born he died resurrected then he returns to heaven and so he's gone and we're pretty much left here to figure out how we're going to make this all work and he's not involved anymore and this series is about the the other side of that he is still around he never abandoned us. He is still engaged with people on earth. And that he has absolute power and freedom to go from heaven to earth, visit people, go back to heaven. He's not stuck being in heaven, waiting for some day when the trumpet will sound and he suddenly can appear. That's coming. But he said, I'm going to be with you. And he is. He's going to be with us in the Holy Spirit, so the Spirit can be everywhere at once. That's one aspect. But this is Jesus himself. So Jesus reveals himself to Muslims, and we're going to start with that. So Jesus, in recent times, last few years, has been very busy showing up in the Middle East. And he is appearing to people who deny his his uh, place they have at the very beginning of the Quran the statement that God has no son so the idea that there is a person who would claim to be the son of God is anathema to them they just don't want to hear that so they don't approve of Christians being in their neighborhoods in their countries they sometimes tolerate it, but it's not—it's not something they they want promoted. And in many countries, if anybody tells another person about Christ and they actually become a believer, then they are persecuted. They can't go to school. They have a hard time finding a job. They may be killed. It just is a difficult situation. So, for missionaries to go into Muslim areas has been a challenge to go to a country that is uh, opposed to them. That makes it really difficult. So then we've got a whole different kind of a uh, thing unfolding. And that would be, Jesus said, well, if the missionaries can't get in, I think I'll just go myself. So he's showing up. And that's what's just been amazing. So he is showing up. He's showing himself to Muslim families in refugee camps. They're coming across that. It is uh, uh, shocking to the people. They will, they will see him in a vision. He has shown up in dreams, and then they go looking to figure out who that is. He's, he's come to them and manifested himself physically, 
as a resurre- the resurrected Jesus, they've had a variety of ways that he has shown up. And that is it's just remarkable. Muslim, uh, Muslim refugees uh, board a boat. Uh, we're seeing Jesus among, among them when they're going across the Aegean Sea. So you got Jesus joining them. Those boats are, you know, questionable. And you've probably heard those reports, and numbers of them have just, you know, they sink, and then they have to gather the people. But Jesus shows up. Jesus appearing before a, an Islamic fighter and stopping him from killing a Christian pastor, another one. So you've got a variety of appearances. He shows up. There's a whole war going on right now that you're familiar with, with Hamas there in, in the Gaza Strip and, and between Hamas and Israel. And last report, over 200 people have seen Jesus. That's of the Palestinians. And they have come to Christ because he showed up. That really messes with that whole idea of, well, he left for heaven and he's not coming back till the trumpet blows. He's active. He's involved. He is reaching out to people. He is wanting to get his family together. And he comes along to help in a variety of situations for uh, people who don't know him at all. And he's trying to let them know that he really is here. And then for those who are his family already. And he shows up and he said, I'm, I'm going to be available. Uh, and I want you to know that I'm not going to leave you uh, alone. So Jesus is still speaking. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Uh, the book of Hebrews is, is written to inform us about him and of his superiority to other things, to angels, to Moses, to the old sacrificial system. It's, it's pointing to Jesus as the ultimate. He's the son. And he did communicate so the idea is that we have Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. We have writings from the prophets telling, telling us that, that the Messiah is coming, and now the Messiah has come, the Son of God has come, and, and he's revealed God's truth and his reality, and he's walked among us. So that's what Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews 1 is addressing people in the first century. That, that does not mean... That, and the reason I'm telling you this is some people read that and say, well, then he's done. What we have written in the scriptures is it. He came, we heard from the son, he's done. Son and done. No, he just said, I mean, this, this is just recording that when he came, we had the prophets, but now we've had the son speak. Did he say anything more? Yeah, he said, like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be around. So he shows up. This is after the resurrection. Oh, no, we got, we got to do the gathering people first. Jesus gathers people. This is Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And this is, this is in heaven. John is invited to see this scene in heaven. And these people are singing this. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. 
and you're talking about Jesus, his sacrifice, and goes on, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. His blood has accomplished that. So this goes out to every tribe, language. So you just think, okay, all the people, instead of uh, there were some times when there was the idea of, well, we're the Christian nation or we're the Christian group in Europe, and the people over there are not. So some people are in, some people are out. Revelation tells us it's everybody. All the people, all the languages, all the nations get to be part of this. And he's going to bring some. He'd like for all of them, but some people just don't want him. So he's going to gather the people in. He's going to, he's going to uh, ransom them all in, in that sense. All of those who will come to him who will believe so this goes out to everybody, and that's why it's exciting to think these whole countries, like fastest-growing church in the Middle East is in Iran. How is that even possible? Jesus is showing up, and people are coming to the Lord. It's just rocking their world. Things in Gaza, yeah, that's, that's really strange. Afghanistan. Back in 1979, I remember there were two missionaries recorded in Afghanistan. And they had a tough, tough job because the people didn't want to hear. They didn't want to hear the gospel. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. They didn't want to hear about the Son of God. They don't want to hear those things. And here they are trying to pound that out. And here we are years later. And there are churches in Afghanistan. Remember? The U.S. pulls out, and all of a sudden, there are Christians being hunted down by the Taliban. How did the Christians get there? Because the Lord showed up. Actually, the war in Afghanistan led some believers to be there. That also helped. And there are churches in Afghanistan. Just amazing stuff. So he's bringing people in. So we'll go, we'll go back to the resurrection. So what's it like? Jesus manifests himself he, he's as a human being has died his body has gone through that process he was in the grave three days then he's resurrected that change molecular change that happens with resurrection is also what's available to us and will happen to us one day which is pretty exciting but he's running around after he's resurrected from the dead so he's, he is showing up, talking to people, uh, instructing people, and just encouraging them by the fact that he is alive, that this process has happened. So he's got a lot to, a lot to teach them. And we get some of that information in the scriptures. It, it would be fun to have a whole lot more than this. But let me, let me give you 1 Corinthians 15. <coughs> I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than three or 500 of his followers at one time. 
So somewhere there was a big gathering, most of whom are still alive at the time that Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 15. He's saying that, so if you want to go check with them, those people are still around, and they saw Jesus. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So he's he just feels that that reality of of not being one who should be. It's not like he did this great stuff and the Lord came to see him. He did horrible stuff and the Lord came to see him. He did horrible stuff and killed the people, prosecuted, persecuted, and killed believers in Jesus, thinking he was doing God a favor. And then Jesus shows up and meets him and changes everything. But look at that. He's... He's visited Peter, and he's seen the 12, and he's come, he sees 500. And in the Gospels, we have the women and the two guys on the way to Emmaus. We've got accounts of him interacting with people, visiting with people. That's after the resurrection. This is Paul, the account of Paul's encounter in Acts 22. And this is, this is after he's, he's seen the Lord. Um, he came and stood beside me. This is, he, he's talking about Ananias and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard. So that's Acts 22. This is Paul telling the story. He met Jesus on, on the road. He's going out to persecute some more Christians and haul them into jail in Jerusalem. And along the way, the Lord meets him. And he is startled. He falls off his horse. He goes through this whole thing. He hears his voice. There's a bright light, possibility that he's seeing him there for a minute, but he goes blind. And then this is the encounter later when Ananias prays for him and he gets his sight back. So he's had three days of blindness to think about what he saw and heard in encountering Jesus. But Ananias here also has the Lord show up and tell him, I want you to go talk to Saul and pray for him because he's going to be uh, doing work for me. And Ananias is going, I don't want to talk to that guy because he's you know, hauling people to jail. And he decides, well, I better do what the Lord's telling me. So he goes. So see how many encounters are going on? We got visual, we got audio, we got we got manifestations of the living God speaking to his people. And here Paul is or Saul at this point is still waiting. He doesn't know what's gonna go. He's just trying to make sense of what happened to him on the road, and that all that he knew about who God is, who God was, what he knew from the scriptures was now just spinning around in his head because of what he just had experienced. It's just an amazing moment. But Ananias is telling him, you've been chosen for this, and you will see the righteous one, hear him speak. Well, wait a minute. 
Isn't this just like hearing your own voice in your own head? Isn't this experience like you just pray and you really don't ever get anything? Maybe you get a little urge to do something or not to do something. So the little oomph in, in there is, that's him? And that's it. He says, you will see him and you will hear him. He already has, but he's got more coming. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. So there's more. He's going to see more of the resurrected Jesus. He's going to hear more from Jesus. And this is after the resurrection. He's already ascended to heaven to the Father. We already saw that in Acts chapter 1. So what is happening here? The God of heaven is not limited by the things we as humans think God is limited by. Goes to heaven, he's got to stay in heaven. And he comes back when he takes over. Now he should answer my prayers and give me stuff, but apart from that, I don't really expect him to say anything or to show up. Ever. So we're doing a series on the Lord showing up. This ain't normal. This is a series on the manifestations of the Messiah, and he is not done yet. He's not limited. He's not chained out there. The door is not locked. In fact, he says in Revelation 3.20, if you hear me knocking at the door, open it, and I will come in. And I'll sit down and hang out with you. So how many does it take until we open that door? Unless he's a liar. And he doesn't really. Anybody want to call him one? Then he's probably knocked. He's probably knocked. And he's waiting. He'll knock again. Because I suspect even with Saul, he tried before and he was a little hesitant. So he had to knock him off the horse. He got his, got his attention. You are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. There's more to this. The manifestations of the Messiah include him in real time, in real ways, in our lives. Does he do it that way all the time? No. But he does do it. Does he show up for everybody? Do we still need missionaries, human missionaries? Yes, we still need human missionaries. Is that the only way it happens? No. Jesus can just show up on the boat as they're going across the Aegean Sea and talk to them. It is amazing who he is and what he is able to do and what he wants to do in in our lives as well. He is not limited. He is not a um, figment of the imagination of some. He has created all things. We're told that in John chapter 1. He has created all things. And then in that creation, he has become flesh and joined us so that he could be part of the human family, dies for us, sacrifices himself in order to make this pathway to God. But in the course of all of that, he has come back in a resurrected state to say, we're not finished. 
There's so much more. I want you to experience life in the fullness that God makes possible. I want you to experience that. We have the opportunity. He'll, he will communicate. One of the things we do at Spiritual Dimensions at the retreat is on Fridays, we will cover nine ways that God communicates, nine ways that he's going to reveal himself in some fashion. There are a lot more than that, but nine's usually all, all we can handle for a weekend. So cover the nine, then practice some of those, and look for all of them because we don't know which one God might, might choose to use, but he'll communicate. He will communicate to individuals. He'll communicate to the group. Uh, he, he has something to say. He, he wants his people to know he is available. He hears prayers. He, he wants to comfort. He wants to guide and to teach and, and lead us in different directions. He wants to be part of our lives. That's why he came. Because this is part of the family, part of what it means to be part of the family. And he has revealed himself in scriptures. He's revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself through other human beings. And we have an opportunity to hear from him in in lots of different ways. But one that we will often not consider is that he will show up, the resurrected Jesus, and speak to somebody and give them guidance or encourage them, or set them on another path. And that's what we're seeing. He is doing it in these days. In these days. As recently as the war in Gaza. And those are just the stories that come back, because you don't get all the stories. There are just so many, so many things happening. So in John 14, 21, Jesus reveals himself. And this is Jesus speaking. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each to each of them. So see who the special people are? The ones he loves. Who are the ones he loves? The ones who love him. And how is that revealed? They obey what he says. Anybody struggled with something he said? Like, you know, forgiving somebody? Wrestling with anger? Allowing those things to control you? Lead to bitterness? I don't hear from God. He hasn't done this for me. If he's asked you to give of yourself, to seek him first, to make him the priority, the main thing, the first thing. You go, well, you know, I've got a job. i got to take care of the house. i got a lawnmower. i got important things. And you see, those who keep my commandments. See it? It's right there in the verse. That reveals that we love him all the way through. From Genesis to Revelation, it proves that we love him. And he says, I'm going to show up, each one, in some way. It's not all going to be the road to Damascus experience, but in some way. 
because he wants you to know that he loves you and he has more planned for your life than you could possibly come up with on your own. He just wants you to know that. Those who accept my commandments, ever push back on something Jesus told you to do? I'm just not going to. You don't know how that guy treated me. You don't know what she said. You don't know. Yeah, he does. He does. He knows exactly. He knows the heart. He knows the situation. He knows how many times. All of it. Those who accept my commandments. Got to know them. Got to get in the scripture. Got to figure out what that is. And once he's communicating, once you understand he's communicating, if he gives you direction on something and you go, I don't want to do it. Because that little urge thing, eh, it's also the Holy Spirit. He, he can use that little urge thing to get you to stop doing something or to start doing something. And if you get that and you go, I'm not doing it. That's also not accepting the commandment, the direction, the guidance, the urging of the Lord to maybe to give give somebody something, give somebody time or listen to them, go visit them, give them money, give them your car. I mean, what, whatever it is, it may just come to mind. You go, I ain't doing it. He goes, those who accept my commandments and, and obey those, it's those. I love them. I really love them. My father will love them. And oh, there's even more. I'm going to reveal myself. Those are the special people he reveals himself to. And he will, again, do it in any way he decides to do that. But he tells the truth. He tells the truth, and he says he will do it. So if there's a problem with uh, the revelation, it's going to be on our end. Some, some way we're not listening, we're not following, we're not connecting because he wants us to know him. He, he wants us to fall in love with him. And, by the way, the whole love of God thing is not a generic, everybody gets it, y'all blessed. It doesn't work that way. We just saw those who love him, obey his commandments, he loves them, and the Father will love them. Well, we already know from John 3.16 that God loves the world, everybody. And he wants everybody in the family. But only those who respond will become part of the family. Only those who want to come into the family come into the family. He makes it available. And he wants us to be part of this because it's unbelievably cool. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And he's looking for that in us every day. He's looking for that. And when we do that, when we follow him, then something else happens. And the Father loves us. And it's more. So it's more than the general love. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. This is more. This is additional love. And you go, well, you can't do that. Love's love. You just stop. And you go, no, it isn't. You love some people more than you love others. And when they love you back, you love them even more. And uh, you know what that is. That's him. 
and he's being responded to, he's going to love more. And the Father's going to love more. And then there he's going to release a whole bunch more stuff into our lives and reveal himself in some way. Maybe even the resurrected personal visit of the Son of God. Because that's the stuff he does. John fourteen twenty one. I know that's rather mystical. This whole series will be a little mystical. It's just kind of how this is going to go. So manifestations of the Messiah. They are strategic. They are as he plans. It is God's will. We can't control it. We don't make him show up when we want him to show up. That's a whole idea of temples in the uh, other with other gods. Is we, we make sacrifices so that we can appease the God, but also so we can make the God do what we want him to do. That's how that relationship works. That's why the Tower of Babel is a problem. They wanted to build a tower to God so they could tell God what to do. And he's going, I don't take orders from nobody. I created all this. Y'all got to stop that. So he stopped them. And there are lots of times, even as Christians, we want to tell them what to do. We want to control the situation. But he is very strategic. He shows up when it's right time, the right person, the right situation, and then he guides, he communicates, he comforts, he encourages, he builds us up. All those things are happening, so it's very strategic. He's doing things in the Middle East. He's doing things all over the world. It's not just there. It's just fascinating that it's happening there. So, strategic. Hasn't happened before. Before 1979? Mm-mm. Before 1989? Mm-mm. No. It all started later. You go, wow. In the last few years, strategically, God and his wisdom has met with those people. Jesus has showed up, manifested himself. Manifestations of the Messiah, supreme. There will be all other beings who can show up as angels of light. That's not Jesus. So when Jesus show, shows up, when he communicates, when he's guiding us, that is supreme. And there is no other. It's also surprising. You meet the resurrected Jesus, it will be surprising. It will shock and um, get your attention. So... That's okay. Now you know it's legit. So if he shows up, you don't have to go, I don't think so. I, got, I must be crazy. I took the wrong cold medicine or something. I don't know what's happening. Nope. No. Nope. Now you know it's just surprising. Give him the uh, credit due. Honor him accordingly. And, uh, and listen up because he probably has something to say. That's what he does. The manifestations of the Messiah. So we're going to take in this series a take take a look at more of that, more of the scriptural uh, stories related to this, and then how does that work? How, how do how do they respond? How, how does he show up? How do, what's he saying in those times? And how can we best respond to him? Because we want to do that. We want to you know, be ready for him to reveal himself anytime he wants to. Because that's just, that's just really cool. 
manifestations of the Messiah. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are the real deal. Oh, you, uh, putting our hand to the plow and not looking back, that we are to choose you above all others. And Lord, we know that you are greater. You are. And we appreciate that we get to know you. I do pray, Lord, for the manifestations to come, that we would know that you are uh, speaking, guiding, encouraging, building us up, healing, touching, uh, being part of our lives in ways that maybe in, in conversations and relationships that we would hear your voice above all the noise and even our own inner voice. We would hear from you. Dying 
his perfect salvation to tell and turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace for at just the right time Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God the king of all kings and lord of all lords he alone can never die and he lives in light so brilliant <sighs> no one can just approach him all honor and power to him forever. Amen. <laughs> 